0: The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blastoff. X minus one.
1: Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee
0: Time starring George Burns and Gracie Allen.
1: Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks.
2: Dragnet. We offer you escape
1: Kraft presents the great (laughs) gildersleeve
3: i'm that man matt dillon united states marshal
1: (laughs) good evening friends of the inner sanctum
0: the jack benny program welcome everyone to episode 40 of the classic radio theater each week the bradford exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the classic radio theater featuring programming from the golden age of radio this time, we'll hear two Western episodes of Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. We'll begin after this short break. There were many Western radio shows during the Golden Age, but most were aimed at a juvenile audience. Alone Lone Ranger, Hop Along Cassidy, The Roy Rogers Show, Gene Autry's Melody Ranch, Wild Bill Hickok, and others. It wasn't until radio dramas were making way for television that the idea of a Western series strictly for adult audiences was conceived. CBS was investing in a newer and more promising visual medium, and the fortuitous cancellation of another program created an opening for Gunsmoke, a Western series unlike any before it. Developed by Norman MacDonald, the writing for Gunsmoke was high quality, the sound effects top-notch, and there was no shortage of violence and bloodshed. As events unfolded, the ever-watchful Marshal Matt Dillon of Dodge City, Kansas carried out the duties his shiny badge demanded. Within a year, several radio programs tried to emulate Gunsmoke's production values, but none came close. In 1955, the program made the transition to television with James R. starring in the role William Conrad had made his own on radio. The video version featured all the characters we came to know and love from the radio series, but with a totally new cast. Gunsmoke would ultimately make television history by becoming the longest-running U.S.-made Western series. Time now for the first of two Western episodes of Gunsmoke starring William Conrad. In this first story, a married couple kill four men in Dodge and then ride out of town. Marshal Matt Dillon tracks them. Here's Pussycats on Gunsmoke.
1: Story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal.
3: Chester had been helping me with some paperwork after the regular day ended... And we didn't get through until about 10 o'clock. And we were both kind of tired.
4: Well, I sure never did think I'd hold out, Mr. Dillon. I got a cramp in my hand and a crick in the neck. What I need's a beer.
3: <laughs> I'll join you, Chester. <laughs> Locked up the office and walked down to the Texas Trail with Chester. I guess the best thing that could be said for the night was that it was still. Not cold, not warm. Somewhere in that between that makes you wish it would be one thing or the other. Or maybe it was because we were tired that it didn't feel right. The bar wasn't crowded, and right off, Kitty came over to our table with beer. I thought she looked kind of worried.
5: Hard day, Matt?
3: Oh, no. No, nothing
4: much.
5: Oh. I declare, Miss Kitty, this beer tastes darker than usual. New brew, probably, Chester. Yeah, I suppose. Say, Matt, you ever seen the stranger before? The tall one, the bar?
4: Huh? Uh, no, no. My heavens, Mr. Dillon, he is a lofty man, and that's for
5: sure. Look at
4: him stretch out. Yeah. What about him, Kitty?
5: Well, I don't know. Sam gave me the eye a bit ago just before you came in. Huh?
4: Oh?
3: He's trying to make trouble?
5: Sam's not sure. The fellow's been drinking straight for more than two hours, and he, he doesn't say anything. He just looks like he's getting ready. Maybe waiting for something.
3: Yeah. Is the woman with him? Yeah. He was a lean, almost stringy man, better than usual tall. And he might have served in the Army once because he wore his gun butt forward. As we sat, Chester and me drinking our beer, he turned around a couple of times and looked at the door. I never saw a man with eyes as gray or... With a skin to his face, so dry and tough, you'd swear you could get sparks off it with a flint. The woman standing next to him talked loud and often, but he didn't appear to be listening much. It was like Kitty said—he—he he was waiting. About an hour went by, and the place began to quiet down. Most of the men drifted out to wherever their way was taken.
4: Excuse me, Mr. Dillon.
3: (laughs) You uh, want to get on back, Chester?
4: Well, yes, sir, I was thinking about it. This beer is so dark, it's making me sleepy.
3: (laughs) Well, you go ahead. I'll see you in the morning.
4: You staying?
3: Yeah, yeah, for a while, I
4: think. On account of that tall fellow? Yeah, maybe. Guess I'll get a little whiskey and sugar. might keep me awake. No, you go on, Chester. It's all
2: right.
6: Jack, how long are you? Have if
4: it's all the same to you, here, Mr. Dillon, I ain't well, sleepy.
6: Well, but, Jack, okay. I'm tired.
7: And there's a hotel down the way, miss. That could put you up. You. Well,
6: yeah, Shut up. up.
7: Nobody asked
4: you.
6: Oh, now, Jack, you ain't got no call to talk to the man like that. He's just being helpful.
4: Say, Mr. Dillon, Chester, be
6: quiet. I'm tired. I want to go to bed. Yeah. trip on the stage and traveling all day. I, I swear I've never been so...
2: T- talk too much. Be quiet. Stay in here with me.
6: But Jackie... You've been talking ever since we come in here.
2: Stop or I'm going to hit you.
4: Might not be a bad thing if you did, Mr. Dillon. If there's anything in this world I hate, it's a woman who does nothing but clobber her guns. Um, uh, Kitty... I bet he is miserable to be wed to, though. What do you Dale ailing here? I don't know, Chester.
5: You're still here,
4: uh, Yeah, uh, sit on
3: a minute, will you, Kitty? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> you uh, don't know their names, do you?
5: No. They came in on the 6 o'clock stage from Oklahoma territory. That's all I know. She's been talking a lot, but mostly about clothes and liquor. He don't say anything.
3: Yeah. You think they're married?
5: She's wearing a ring.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: What is
5: it? I've never seen a man drink as much, Matt. It's like water with
6: him. Honey! Hey, you! Got Honey! Uh, yeah. Tray, huh? <laughs> Excuse me, Matt.
7: Yeah, sure. All right, <laughs> then you get the drink, then,
6: sure. What do you want to
7: drink? Huh? Sure. Oh, sure. Huh?
6: You
2: want
6: whiskey and sugar, don't you? Thank you, honey. Sure.
2: Where do you think you're going?
6: I'm going to freshen up, Jackie.
2: I'm
6: coming right back.
2: See you do.
3: The woman had just got out of sight when we heard the horses coming down the street outside. There were only six of us left in the place. Sam, Kitty, Chester and me. The stranger at the bar and a cowboy sleeping it off at a table across the room. The tall man called Jack, with the sound of the horses, turned to the door, and there was a gun in his hand.
2: You fellows at the table, get up. Come over here. Where?
3: I kind of wondered what you were waiting for.
2: I know you've been wondering. That's why you've been hanging around. I don't want no trouble with you. you. Stay out of the way, you won't get hurt. Why
3: don't you put your gun away, mister?
2: Don't bother me. There's trouble coming through that door any minute.
3: Put it back. I don't allow gunplay in Dodge.
2: What you allow ain't up to you now, mister. If you're
3: in trouble, it's my job to protect you and your wife.
2: This is private trouble. If you want part of it, I'll give it to you right now. In the belly.
6: Jack. They're here. Outside. I yeah, know. We can get out the back.
2: I ain't running no more. You either. Come on, get behind the bar. Yeah. Honey. You two fellas on hit your belts. Leave them lay where they fall. Go on. Honey,
6: you give me a gun, will you? I'll give you
7: one, I'll give you one.
2: Wait a minute. Okay. You two get around behind the bar. All right. At the end. You. You and the lady.
7: Well, listen, you can't shoot up this place.
3: Sam, do what he says. Chester and I did as we were told and got behind the bar along with Kitty and Sam. The tall man picked up our guns and tossed one to the woman and then dropped the others beside him on the floor. And then we waited. All of us behind the bar, except for the cowboy drunk
7: asleep at the table. He only had that mirror in for a month. It's going to be busted for sure.
6: Honey, we should have kept going. Got the train in the morning farther west.
2: We'd have had to stop somewhere. This is as good a place as any. Listen,
3: mister, I'm going over and get the boy sleeping at the table there. He's going to get hurt.
2: You move an inch from where you're at and I'll shoot you. i shut up all of you.
6: I hear him out there. Yeah.
2: Start shooting when that door swings in.
3: Mr. Mm-hmm. Dillon, we- Stay down, Kitty.
5: Don't worry, Matt.
2: Here's
3: I can
5: figure. Uh. If they stopped off the
3: dogs. they'll be in a saloon. True. Oh, I know, Farrell. Mm-hmm. Well, come on. Might as well start looking in here. Yeah, well, right. okay. Let's mm-hmm. do with a the drink? Right. They're in. The shooting went on for about five seconds, and when the glass started to come down behind us, we covered up. And at that, I felt a warm trickle along the side of my face where a splinter had slashed me. There wasn't anybody behind the bar hurt beyond a scratch or two from the glass. But out there by the door and sprawled out beyond onto the walk were four men. They never had a chance, they'd never have another.
6: Watch out for the glass, Jack.
3: We got him, we got him.
6: Yeah. Yeah, we got him, honey. When I'm still alive. Who is it? It's Acton. Let me. Never did like him.
2: Come on, let's go.
6: All right, Jackie. Sorry we messed up your place, honey. Don't you try coming after us, mister. Jack's had a taste of blood.
2: Come on, come on.
6: Jackie, we're gonna have to ride now?
2: Yeah.
6: Oh, honey, I'm tired.
2: I'll take it easy later.
3: Are you all right, Kitty?
6: I I think so Look at that mirror
7: Just look at it
8: What
3: happened, Chester, get some guns from the office Saddle up and get back here Yes, sir
4: All right now, folks There's just been a little shooting That's all, everything's gonna be
3: just Kitty, get Doc quick What is it, man? This man isn't dead Huh? Well, go on, hurry up, will you?
5: Well, yeah, sure.
3: She ran out into the night for Doc. And I stayed in the Texas trail watching the life flow out of the bullet hole in the chest of the man the killers had called Acton.
1: We will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment, but first, you can help your fighting men and our children win the fight for life if you act now. On the battlefront, our fighting men need blood to replace the precious substance they have so valiantly lost. Only through contributions to your Red Cross fund drive can we keep up that lifeline of blood to our wounded men. But time is running out. Give now. Your Red Cross must also have funds to transform blood into anti-polio serum. The polio season is just around the corner. Red Cross Gamma Globulin is the one weapon that will spare our children from death or the crippling paralysis of polio this summer. Polio won't wait. Your community, your neighbors, perhaps your own child, can be saved from the horrible effects of the dread disease if we do something now. Your Red Cross will not distribute the anti-polio serum. It will be sent to critical areas by government health agencies. There will not be enough to protect every child this year, but many thousands will be spared polio paralysis this summer because you gave to your Red Cross. When your Red Cross Fund volunteer calls, give generously. Do it today. You give, they live. Now, the second act of Gun Smoke. <laughs>
3: His eyes were open, but he didn't see me. And when I talked to him, he didn't hear. While I waited for Doc, I went through his papers. His name was Brad Acton. That's all I could find. About two minutes later, Kitty came back with Doc. Didn't take Doc long to shake his head.
9: Oh, the poor fella. He's done that. There's not a living chance.
3: Yeah, if I could just get him to talk. We gotta find out who he is and what they've done, those two. Uh, I don't
9: know. He's pretty near gone. We can't
3: Yeah. Acton. Acton, can you hear me? Acton. Acton. Acton, that fella Jack Farrow. He and the woman. What did they do? Oh, there's no use. Matt. said nothing. Now listen to me, Acton. Matt. Acton, who are they? Uh, Why did they shoot you? He's
9: trying, the poor devil. He come just on, can't.
3: Come on, come on. Now you're wasting time. I gotta get after him. Now, what did they do?
5: I'm dying. I'm dying.
3: We've all gotta die.
5: Oh, Matt. That, that ain't
3: kindly, mister. Now I want you to wake up. You hear what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, yeah. I hear you. If I was on my feet...
3: Now, listen to me. I'd... Pharaoh. I heard you call him Pharaoh. And the woman. Now, what about him? Why did you come gunning for him? Yeah. Had it come... Why what did they do? It don't matter now. It matters. If you're going to die, get it off yourself. Now, come on. You and your pals there. If you did nothing wrong, you'll die more comfortable. Oh, Matt, let him be. It's not
9: Matt, fair. Don't. What
3: about it, Acton? Matt, now you That's can't. That's enough,
2: <sighs> Acton. Uh, uh, California. Out in California. Pharaoh, me, and the boys.
3: We held up a stage, in Farrow. He
2: took the money and lit out with that woman. We. We've been following. You look out for her. She's mean with a gun. Martha Luke.
9: Yeah, he's gone, Matt. Yeah.
5: I guess you had to do it that way, Matt. But... But what? Nothing. All set, Mr. Dillon.
3: All right, Chester.
5: You going after him, Matt?
3: Why not? They've done murder, haven't they? You have to figure the odds of a man forgiving you for what you do when a thing has to be done. And then you split the difference, and depending on the reasons for doing it, you feel better or worse. I had to do what I did because I had to find out about them. But it didn't help. Even if he was a gunman, I'd given no peace to a dying man. And for that, he had to die harder. A man a long way from home. Chester and I rode out into the east the way we figured Pharaoh and his wife would be headed.
4: Sun's coming up, Mr. Dillon. I got eyes. Yes, sir.
3: Now, there's a homestead up around the bend. We'll stop and find out if they've seen anything. Huh! All right.
7: I was fixing to fetch some water when I heard them.
3: They stopped, huh?
7: Yeah. The woman looked tuckered out. Never see a woman with all them skirts ride ride the way she did. It was some picture. How long did they stay? Five minutes, maybe. Wife had some coffee and they drank it, scalding, and took off. Headed east? Yeah. They wanted to know how far to Kinsley or... Maybe they wanted to know the next station, and I told them, Kinsley, I don't know, Santa Fe's due in there for Hutchinson about eight. Did they do something wrong, Marshal?
3: Just four murders back in Dodge. Come on, Chester. The Farrah's had enough start on us that if they got the train in Kinsley before we caught up, we'd have to use the telegraph and hope they could be stopped further down the line with killers like that, there'd be a lot of shooting. And I figured it was my job to be there when it happened. We rode hard. It lacked a couple of minutes before eight when we saw the smoke of the engine. We still had a couple of miles to go to reach the station. And she was moving out when we got there. I swung aboard and held out a hand for Chester.
4: My running like that. Give me a stitch in the side. And the puffs.
3: Uh, take it easy, Chester.
4: I sure wish we'd have had time to find out if they's on this train, Mr. Dillon. If they ain't, we've lost them good.
3: Oh, well, we'll see. Now look, there's a lot of people in those cars up ahead. The Ferris see us and they're going to start shooting. And I don't want that. So go slow. If we see them first, get out of sight. We'll wait until I get off the train.
4: Yes, sir.
3: Okay. No, Chester, put away the gun. No shooting on the train.
4: Yes, Mr. Dillon.
3: We started from the last car and moved up. That way they wouldn't see us first. I hoped we could get them without any gunplay at all. Mostly for folks who would get hurt. But I didn't have any stomach for shooting a woman, even if she was a killer. We got to the third car when Chester spotted them.
4: There they are, Mr. Dillon.
3: All right, get back. Okay, we'll just stay here.
4: Conductor's coming this way. Good. Well, howdy, Marshal.
3: Mr. Heinson.
4: You on a pleasure ride or business?
3: Business, Mr. Heinson. That couple, they're in the fourth, fifth seat from the front. The tall gent? Yeah, and the woman. Yeah, I wondered about them when they got on. Sure, funny pair. She looks well wore out. They've both done murder. Oh, well, Marshal, there's kids in the car. I want to get them without any shooting. As long as they don't see us, it'll be all right. Now, where's your next stop? About 30 miles down the line. Yeah. Well, we'll try to figure something out. I
7: hope you can,
2: Marshal.
3: The train rolled on. I saw Miss Farah take a kid on her lap. Play with it. And the mother in the next seat looked on with fond eyes. I wonder what she would have said if she knew. Jack Farrow just looked out the window. We didn't make a move at the next stop. Two men got off, and there were still some 20 people left in the car besides the killers. About 15 miles beyond, the train pulled up again. I could see a big herd of cattle crossing the tracks. It was going to take a few minutes. Mr. heinson came down the aisle to the platform where we were standing. Hey, Marshal, I got an idea. See what you think? Yeah?
9: We'll be about ten minutes waiting until that herd gets across. How about if I tell the folks in the car they can get out stretch legs for a bit? Might give you a chance. To...
3: All right, go ahead.
4: Hey, say there, folks. Now, there's a little delay for cattle crossing. If you want to get off for a spell, stretch out a bit.
8: There's plenty of time. <laughs>
3: We watched. And slowly, one at a time, they made up their minds. The women glad to let the kids work off steam. The men to size up strange land or somebody else's herd. And they straggled out. But there was one old couple that wouldn't move, though. And I saw Mr. Hindson making an eye and a shrug at me. And then they changed their minds and hobbled off. And I'd left the car empty except for the Pharaohs. Chester, Mr. Heinsohn, and me.
9: That's your deal, Marshal. Lucky they didn't decide to
3: get off. I didn't think they would. All right, go ahead, Mr. Heinsohn, and get those people down the line a bit, huh? Yes, sir. All right, Chester. Oh. This ain't nothing
6: like California, Jackie. I've never seen anything so flat. How far you think it goes like this? I don't know. <gasps> you know, I ain't gonna take me in that. Yeah. You wanna take my gun for a while? I'll dig him in the rib.
2: Hold on to it. Oh,
6: honey.
2: I said hold on to
3: it. All right, get your hands up, both of you high, and don't turn around. She must have had her gun already in her hand Wanting to give it to Farrow to hold She was fast One minute she was upright in the seat And then she was gone Fire into at us from behind the seat
8: Jackie! Jackie!
3: All right, throw out your gun, Miss Farrow
8: Jackie!
3: Throw out your gun and stand up I don't want to hurt you
8: I'll
4: kill you I'll kill you! Look out, Mr. Dillon, she's going for his gun! Yeah. No, you no, kill
3: me! Chester, give me a it's hand, it's will you? Now stop it. it. Stop it! I'm you Stop it! Like a crazy woman, it took both of us to hold her, and we couldn't even do that right until we had her handcuffed to the seat. And then she shut up. She just sat there, looking at her husband's body. When we got off at the next stop to wait for the next train back to Dodge, Jack Farrow was taken away in a wagon to be buried. His wife stood by the tracks watching it as it moved off. And it wasn't until the wagon became a dust cloud out on the plain that she started to cry.
1: Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman McDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Anthony Ellis, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Michael Ann Barrett and Tom Tully, with John Daner, Lawrence Dobkin, and Jack Crucian. Parley Bear is Chester, Howard McNear is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Gunsmoke is heard by our troops overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. The scholastic standards are rigid at Madison High. You must have a sense of humor to attend. Listen in to Eve Arden as English teaching Our Miss Brooks any Sunday evening and you'll get the point. When Eve takes over the class, everybody's favorite subject is comedy. So don't forget your Sunday Eve is Our Miss Brooks over most of these same CBS radio stations. Be sure to enjoy her tomorrow night. George Walsh speaking. America's 45 million radio families listen most to the CBS radio network.
0: That's Gunsmoke with Pussycats, starring William Conrad as U.S. Marshal Matt Dillon, with Parley Bear as his deputy Chester Proudfoot, from March 21, 1953, as heard on CBS. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 Classic Radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another Western episode of Gunsmoke for you after this short break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, U.S. Marshal Matt Dillon captures two killers and brings them back to dodge. Three witnesses come forward to prove them innocent for an unusual reason—
10: something all of uh... uh, me you what are you afraid of
7: of course i ain't been much afraid of anything since the second battle of bull run
10: that so
7: oh i took my first bullet at manassas gap <laughs> i thought sure i'd die but i didn't
10: that's nothing when I got shot on the Chattahoochee River over in Georgia, I knew I wouldn't die. How'd you know? I just knew, that's all. Weren't you afraid? Afraid of what? Dying.
7: i never been afraid to die. Well, I'm not afraid. Not anymore. Not since Bull Run. And what's all this about there being no moon, Arlo? I said I'm not afraid to die. I didn't say I'm not afraid of anything. Oh, shut up. Okay. Hey, Gorse. Yeah. I wished we could stop and light a fire. Why? I got some pork to cook. Listen here, Orlo. You trying to tie
10: the rope around your own neck. No. And eat your meat raw, you hear? Raw meat gives me the belly ache. You needn't worry about that, Orlo. Those people back in Dodge, they got a cure for belly ache. They have? You they have. A Lariat rope over the limb of a cottonwood tree. Oh,
7: they ain't gonna catch us.
10: They Will, or you go building bonfires all over the prairie to cook your dang pork
7: with. Well, I'll just build a little bitty Indian fire, Gorse. Oh, huh? shut up. Harlow? <coughs> <coughs> hmm? Look
10: over there. Where? Where? Over there. At the foot of that little rise.
7: I don't see nothing.
10: That cabin, you do too, see.
7: Oh, that. What about it? There's no light in it, you fool. And there's no smoke. It's deserted. Well, that's good, ain't it, Goss? Nobody to tell the posse which way we went. How do you know they got a posse? Well, they should
10: have. Anyways, we'll sleep in that cabin. Somebody does come along, we can fight them off from there. Yeah. Come on.
7: Come on. Come on.
10: It's big, ain't it, Gorse? Big enough for us, anyway. Come on, maybe Mm. there's some food inside.
7: Hey, wait. There's a horse in here. Must have got in and the door blew shut. Poor thing. Well, get him out. Yeah. Easy, boy. Easy now, sir. Easy, boy. I I got him. Now, outside, fella. Outside. Come on. Yeah. Hey, that's funny. What's funny? That horse. He's all wet with lather. Lather? Hold it right there. Hey. There's somebody in there. Now, get
3: your hands up. You're framed in the door and you'll die if you make a wrong move. Now, turn around and stand there. Take your guns.
7: Who are you, mister? All right, get outside.
3: Slow. All right, that's far enough. Now you can turn around. All right, you, what's your name? Orlo. Orlo, what?
7: Just all, though.
3: And you? William
10: Goss, but I don't use the William. I'll remember that. Look, mister, we don't mean no harm. We just thought your cabin was deserted and we could sleep
3: in that night. It's deserted, but you won't be sleeping anywhere tonight.
7: No, mister, you got no right You'll to... will sleep
3: in Dodge when we get there.
7: Oh, no. No, we can't go back to Dodge.
3: No? Why can't you?
7: Well, you see... We shot a man that day. Olo. This morning it was. of you sh- shut up. But, Gorse, you know we can't go back. I'll shut you up. Hold it, Gorse.
10: Well, he always did talk too much. The war made him like that, mister. He was all right before
3: the war. So they say, anyway. Now, listen to me, both of you. This isn't my cabin. It isn't. Then why'd you put us out of it? I'm trying to tell you why. I'm a United States Marshal.
7: What? Oh, Gorse, we got caught. You're
3: both under arrest for murder.
7: Well, I'll be. So that's why his horse was hot. He'd been chasing us, Gorse. How could he have been chasing us? He was in front of us.
3: I've been on your tail ever since you ran out of dodge. The trail you were following led right here, so I made a circle and waited for you. Does that explain things?
7: Hey, that's pretty smart, isn't it, Gorse? (laughs) We was riding too slow.
3: Yeah, But if I'd known what I was following, I think I'd have just ridden up behind and yelled at you to stop.
7: We'd have run. Now explain something to me, will you? What are you men? We're just friends. Yeah, me and Gorse been friends for a long time. No, no, no,
3: that's not what I meant. Look, you shot that store clerk in Dodge and you killed him. But you're sure not gunmen and you're not bandits. Now what are you?
7: We're broke. We needed some money. But he wouldn't give it to us. He grabbed a gun instead out under the counter. And he'd have shot us with it, too. And we had to kill him. That's all there is to it, Marshal.
3: Not quite, I'm afraid. You killed a man, and I'm taking you in for murder. They are gonna hang us? Not they. The law, maybe. But you'll get a fair trial. Won't
10: matter. We done it. We'll hang.
3: We'll Yeah, you're right, Gus. We'll hang, sure. I don't know. I suppose you'd have killed somebody sooner or later.
7: All right, get your horses. Ain't you gonna handcuff us or nothing? Why? Oh, no reason, Marshal. I was just asking. I thought so.
3: All right, come on. It's a long ride to Dodge. It took all night to ride back to Dodge but I didn't have to watch my prisoners any more than if they'd been a couple of riders I'd thrown in with on the trail. Maybe it was all their years in the war in the Army that made them do whatever I, as a marshal, told them to do. The idea of not obeying me never occurred to them. Next morning, I had Chester lock them up, and then I went off to get some sleep. About noon, I got up, ate something, and dropped into the Texas Trail.
5: Sit down, Matt.
3: Yeah, sure, Kitty.
5: I uh, hear you brought in those murderers.
3: Yeah, yeah, I did.
5: Well, aren't you glad?
3: Yeah, sure, Kitty. I'm glad.
5: Well, they're the ones, aren't they? You got the right men.
3: Yeah, they're the ones. They did it.
5: Matt, sometimes I don't know... Kitty.
3: they're They're just a couple of not very bright men who who've had too much war. I guess they just got used to killing. I don't think it means anything at all to them.
5: Well, then... They're not
3: mean and they're not vicious. They're just kind of loco. Well, that's what makes them dangerous, I guess.
2: Mm Marshal Dillon?
3: Uh, Yeah. I hear you brought in two men this morning, uh, Gorse and Orlo. No? How do you know their names? Everybody does by now. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, They didn't do it, Marshal. What? They're innocent. They didn't kill that clerk. Who are you, mister? My name is Blaine, George Blaine. All right, Blaine, what's this all about? What I said, Marshal. They're innocent. You see, uh, I and Ned and Lou, well, over there at the bar, we saw them just leaving Kelly's stable when that shooting took place. Would you swear to that in court? Why, sure, (laughs) Marshal. How come you arrested them anyway? Well, I'll tell you, Blaine... They shot a man. Nobody saw that killer. Look, I don't know who you are or what your interest in this is, but they admit killing that clerk. So why don't you just go back and join your friends at the bar and forget about it, huh? No, Marshal, we won't forget about it. You shouldn't have arrested those men. And what's more, we're going to see to it they don't stay arrested. Oh? You want to see to it right now, Mr. Blaine? No. No, there are other men around here interested in justice, Marshal. And I think we'll talk to them first. Don't do it, Blaine. Don't get anything like that started here in Dodge. See you later, Marshal. Who is he, Kitty?
5: I don't know, Matt. He and his two friends came in on the Santa Fe from St. Louis a couple of days ago. That's all I know.
3: I wonder what they got in mind.
5: Oh, they've been drinking. Just talk, Matt.
3: Yeah, maybe. I'll see you later, Kitty. So long.
5: Hurry back, Matt. <laughs>
1: We will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, tomorrow night, CBS Radio's Escape dramatizes a romantic conflict titled El guitarero which means the guitarist. It concerns a Mexican musician who resorts to traditional and some surprising methods to protect his marriage when an American poet tries to steal his wife. Remember, it's tomorrow night on Escape, presented on most of these same stations by CBS Radio. El Guitarero. Now the second act of Gun smoke.
4: No, sir, Mr. Dillon, that fellow come here, but I wouldn't let him talk to the prisoners.
3: Was he alone, or did he have his two friends with him, Chester?
4: No, oh, he was alone, sir. Uh, but I did notice a couple of men waiting around outside now that you mention it.
3: You uh, haven't heard anything about this Blaine or his friends the last day or so, have you? No, sir.
4: Nobody's mentioned them. Around me, anyway.
3: Well, it sure stumps me.
4: You think maybe they're going to cause trouble, Mr. Dillon? I
3: don't know, Chester. They might try, but it'd be easier to stop if I knew what was behind it. Yes, sir. Yeah, mobs have tried to open this jail before... But to lynch somebody, not to turn them loose.
4: Mighty curious,
3: all right. Chester, I'm going to have a talk with the prisoners. Maybe they might know something.
4: Well, it's worth a try, sir. Yeah.
7: Hey, Gorse, it's the Marshal. Hello, Marshal.
3: Hello, Orlo. Of course. How are you, Marshal? Well, is Chester treating you all right?
7: Well, it uh, wasn't much of the bait we had this morning, but the noon meal was fine. Marshal? Hmm? We get supper too? Of course you do. Uh, when
3: they going to hang us, Marshal?
7: Well,
3: uh, Orlo, you haven't been tried yet. Nothing's going to happen until you
7: have a trial. How long will that take, Marshal? Well, what difference it make, Gorse, as long as we get fed every day. Listen, you man, I,
3: I want to ask you something. Sure, Marshal. Have you ever heard of a man named uh, Blaine? He's tall, has black hair, Blaine... he's... Uh... W-
10: wasn't that the fella's name who was here this morning all over?
3: Yeah, that's right, Blaine. Here this morning? Chester said he kept him out of here.
10: Oh, he'd he come around back. Outside, talk through the window there. He seemed like
3: a nice fellow. Sort of crazy, though. Now, why do you say that, Earl? what did he
7: want? Oh, he kept saying he had uh, witnesses and all like that. Said we're innocent. We shouldn't be in here. Well, what'd you tell him? Well, we told him how you caught us and what we did and all. We told him there wasn't any witnesses we could see. Just us. And that
10: clerk. But we killed him. Sure, but Blaine was saying him and his friend saw us down by some corral or something. I don't know. He was all mixed up.
3: Tell me, have either one of you ever seen this Blaine before?
7: Oh, no, Marshal. Never laid eyes on him. And that's the truth. That's right, Marshal. Me and Gorse, we never tell lies.
3: Yeah, I know. Did uh, Blaine tell you what he's going to do? What his plans are? a word, Marshal. Except he did say for us to set
10: up a holla that we didn't kill that fella.
7: Oh, he's crazy, that Blaine. I couldn't get his drift at all.
3: Well, I'll tell you what it is, Orlo. For some reason that I don't know, Blaine wants you two out of jail. He may come here with a mob and try and get you out.
7: Well, he can't do that. We're under arrest here.
3: Yeah, I know. But he might try.
7: Hmm. What'll we do about it, Marshal?
3: Nothing, of course, nothing. I'll handle it. Sure, Marshal. Uh, let me know if you need anything, huh? Oh, we're fine, Marshal. Thanks just the same. Sure. Okay, I'll see you later, then. Ah, hello, Doc. What are you doing here?
9: I heard there might be some excitement, Matt. Oh, you did, huh? Yeah, right here at the jail, too.
3: (laughs) Give Doc a gun, Chester. We can use another man.
9: Name your preference, Doc. Shotgun or rifle. You sit right where you are, Chester. I'm not a gunfighter. My work begins where you fellas leave off.
3: Well, you may have a busy evening, Doc, but I hope not.
9: You never can tell, Matt. (laughs) But I take things as they come.
3: Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm.
9: I better go and get my office cleaned up. If anyone gets shot, you send him right up there.
3: It doesn't improve a man's temper to spend the afternoon sitting around and waiting for a mob to form. A mob that's gonna head his way when it gets its spirits high enough. Chester and I didn't talk much. we just sat and waited. Long about dusk we saw a couple of dozen men gather in the middle of the plaza. And then Blaine appeared, and he began haranguing them. And the crowd grew. In a little while, it started moving down Front Street, down toward the jail, and us.
4: Looks like everybody in Dodge is taking an interest, Mr. Dillon.
3: We'll use shotguns, Chester. I never saw a mob yet that was eager to jump a shotgun.
4: Yes, sir. Here's yours, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, thanks. Well, let's
3: go meet him outside, Chester. All right, sir. Here, this is good enough.
4: Pretty big crowd coming, Mr. Dillon.
3: Maybe most of them are just curious... I sure am, anyway. What do you mean, sir? Well, I haven't got this Blaine figured. That's all. Sure. Good morning. All right, hold it, man. Hold in, man. I'll see if I can talk some sense into the marshal first. Well, marshal, I was right. There seemed to be a lot of men in Dodge interested in justice. We want Orlo and Gorse out of that jail, Marshal. We want them freed. Aren't you going to say anything, Marshal? I don't see your two partners, Blaine, whatever their names are. Don't you worry about them, Marshal. Now, you tell us. uh, You going to turn those prisoners loose, or do you want us to do it? Well, speak up, Marshal. Which way is it going to be? All right. All right, Now, you've all heard Blaine's story. He claims he and his friends saw Orlo and Gorse at Kelly's stable when the shooting took place. Now, that's pretty good evidence that they didn't kill that clerk. And it could be true. I'm going to go inside and I'm going to talk to him about it. And I'll give you my answer in half an hour. Now, is that fair enough? A, late, yes. A half hour will just about do it, Marshal. I think it will, Blaine. But no matter what you decide, we're going to turn him loose.
2: Isn't that right, man?
3: Chester, keep an eye on Blaine. Don't let him leave here if you have to shoot him to keep
4: him around. Yes, sir, but I don't understand... Just do as I say, Chester.
3: Yes,
8: sir. Yes.
7: What's doing, Marshal? I don't
3: know, Gorse, but I just might find out.
7: This Dodge is a mighty strange place, wanting to turn prisoners loose.
3: Yeah. I'll be back soon.
9: up to. You're going to break my window with those rocks.
3: Get on here, Doc. I need you in a hurry.
9: Huh? Oh, well, sure, Matt. Stand out of the window here and I'll climb down on top of you. It's only a few feet.
3: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Ah. All right, come on, hurry.
9: Yeah, well, what's this all about, Matt? Where, where, where we're going?
3: We're going to the express company first. Well, what for? It's closed. Maybe not. It's not quite six.
9: Everybody in Dodge is out there in the street. I was watching from my front window.
3: Not quite everybody, Doc. Blaine's two friends, aren't there? Yeah, right. well, what do you I'm mean? working on a hunch, Doc. If I'm right, I want you as a witness. And we'll go back and show that mob what fools they are. Yeah, whatever you say, Matt. Yeah, but I haven't got a gun. Don't worry. I'll do the shooting. We reached the ex- rear of the express company, and I took a quick look through the window. The single room was deserted. And the only other place would be the bank. If I was right. And I was. Two horses were tied to a tree outside the back entrance, the door of which was ajar. I made Doc get around the corner of the building where he'd be safe. And I stood close to the door and waited. In about five minutes, I heard him coming out.
9: Let me get that mask off. Yeah. We'll hide this stuff at the stable, go down and join Blaine. Hurry, Lou, we're late now. Get
3: your hands up. This is a shotgun.
9: Don't use it! you, you got us! Don't shoot!
3: Well, you're not the fightingest men I ever saw. All right, I'll take your guns now and don't try anything. Uh. And yours? Uh. Doc!
9: Uh, uh, it's... Well, well, what do you know? Blaine's partners. You sure guessed right, Matt.
3: Now, who's inside? Uh, we didn't. Heard a marshal, just tied him up. Who, I said? Well, that old man, the banker. Mm. All right, go take a look at him, Doc. Take those money bags with you. But be quick, we haven't got much time. <laughs> I'll have company for you shortly, gentlemen, so you just sit quiet, huh?
9: Lane's going to be mighty surprised at this.
3: Come on, Doc.
4: My gracious, I thought you was never going to come out, Mr. Dillon.
3: Well, Marshal, are you going to be smart? Are you going to turn them loose? You're under arrest, Blaine. What? Marshal, don't be a fool. You aren't arresting anybody, is he, man? Tell him who I just locked up, Doc. Uh, all right.
9: Uh, that's right, man. Marshal just arrested Blaine's two friends. <laughs> what?
3: You make one move and I'll cut you in half, Blaine. All right, go ahead,
9: Doc. Uh, I was right there with him. Caught him up the street, right in the bank. They're locked up inside right now Well,
3: they're they're no friends of mine We've been drinking together, that's all And Besides, I wasn't anywhere near that bank I was right here Yeah You men saw me here And you got nearly everybody else in town here too, Blaine So your partners could work unmolested Take his gun, Chester Yes,
8: sir
3: All right All right All right, you men Now, you've made fools enough of yourselves for one evening. Now, you go back where you came from and stay there. Now, go on. Inside, Blaine. Your friends are waiting for you. I never did find out just who Blaine was. He kept his mouth shut all through the trial... It could be that he'd never been arrested before. But anyway, he and his partners got five years. That's better than Orlo and Gorse made up. They stood up and told their whole story as straight as if I'd told it myself. I guess telling the truth was about the only sense of right and wrong that the war had left them. They weren't bad men. But they were dangerous. And early one morning, a month later, up in Hayes City, on the order of the court, Orlo and Gorse were hung.
1: Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman McDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were John Daner and Harry Bartell, with Lawrence Dobkin and Lou Krugman. Parley Bear as Chester, Howard McNear as Doc, and Georgia Ellis as Kitty. Gunsmoke is heard by our troops overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. This Monday evening, Dan Daly and Deborah Padgett are the stars in Deadline, U.S.A a dramatic thriller adapted from the movie and presented by Your Lux Radio Theater. It's an action-filled story of a newspaper man's struggle against hoodlum elements in his community, one that leads to dangerous reprisals on the part of the mobsters. Remember, this Monday night over most of these same stations, CBS Radio offers Deadline USA on Your Lux Radio Theater. George Walsh speaking. America is cooking with 14 million kitchen radios and listens most to the CBS Radio Network we
0: Smoke, with Buns Rush, starring William Conrad as U.S. Marshal Matt Dillon, from April 18, 1953, as heard over CBS. Stick around, I'll give you our lineup for episode 41 of the Classic Radio Theater after this short break. Next time on episode 41 of the Classic Radio Theater, brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, We'll hear two comedy episodes of The Bickersons, starring Donna Amici and Francis Langford, so don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune in to our next show. Thanks for listening.